Wow, welcome this morning officially, New Life Church. It's so good to see everybody. So glad you made it out in spite of the weather and the rain, and uh, we're certainly glad you're here. So many familiar faces with us today. Uh, 1 Peter 2 tells us this, recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and in holy awe of God. I want to take a moment, there's so many of us here today, 40 years we're celebrating the life and history, the legacy of, of this church family, this church body, and the roots, and we're also rejoicing about what lies ahead for us. And so I want to, we want to take a moment, we thought it'd be good if we did this. Those of you, if you were here from its inception, night, around 1978, uh, up until 1985, if you were a part of the church during that, those few years, would you stand and so we can say thank you. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How about from 1986 until 1995? 1986 until 1995. If you were here and around in that time frame. Yeah. It's like popcorn. Oh, you, yeah, that's right. I remember now. I remember now. <laughs> How about 1996 until 2005, if you were here during then? It, yeah, now some of these will repeat, obviously. Yeah, it's getting bigger. Wow, thank you. And from 2006 until 2013, if you were here as well during that time, it's going to add some more few more younger folks are going to get in the mix of that one. And then in our present, present place here, 2014 until now, obviously, that's a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Give yourselves a hand, everybody. Well, we certainly recognize that the church wouldn't be what it is today without all of you who have been a part over the decades and over the years Everyone has played a different part, but you've played an important part and role uh, to where we are now, and we wanted to certainly take that moment to thank you and to say God bless you for your sacrifices, your prayers, uh, your encouragements, and your support uh, over the years to different ones in our congregation. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you show your deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you, for they are your leaders who care for you, to teach you and stand before the Lord on your behalf. They value you with great love, and because of their service to you, let peace reign among yourselves. I have the distinct honor and privilege of recognizing a few other people here today who have been instrumental in the perpetuation of the church First, our worship leader, Jonathan Hill, along with his beautiful wife, Courtney, and their two adorable girls, Micaiah and Reese. Jonathan, obviously, has been a part of our church over several years in different, different seasons, and he's played an important role, obviously, in our worship ministry. And thank you for being so sensitive to the Spirit today and doing the songs you did. Certainly touched our hearts today. Uh, Jonathan happens to also be Haley's cousin, 
on the tree side of the family. And we just want to say thank you again for being with us in this celebration. We love you and appreciate you. Amen. Secondly, we have Haley's sister, Heather Morrow, along with her children. Megan and Jake couldn't make it today. They uh, melt in rain, so they couldn't make it out. Uh, but they're going on, you can tell them I said that. Uh, they're going on five years of marriage this December. Five years, yeah. Uh, her only son, Mackenzie, is here. He's 19, right? I got it right, 19. And her youngest daughter, Maitland. Did she go to the restroom? She had to doll that face up a little more. Heather has served on staff here in this church in varying roles over the many years, and she has helped disciple many lives who are now in the ministry full-time, serving the Lord with their families, and they are planted in the local church. We're in the country out here, so you kind of never know what you're going to hear outside. It's, we're okay right now, I believe, so hopefully. Um, also pictured here is David Morrow. Heather's late husband, my brother-in-law. As you know, David passed away earlier this year. And I felt it was only right to take a moment to honor David for his service here in this congregation over the years. One of the roles that David played was he was our graphic designer uh, who helped to shape our church brand, our name, and our logo at the time, our website, a lot of the different prints and bulletins and different things to that nature and communications. Here's the thing about him. He served with passion and excellence in everything he did, and he will certainly be missed. And we just want to take a moment, Heather, to say we love you and we thank you and we honor you today for the service to this congregation. Bless you. And now for today's preacher, those of you who were here prior to 2011 affectionately look to this couple as senior pastors Val and Sherry Trees. Since pastoring here, they have pioneered Life's Words Ministries based out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And God has used their ministry over the years, as you know, to touch and to change thousands of lives literally across the globe. They continue to travel and minister to many churches around, delivering a message of reconciliation and hope in the body of Christ. They are the parents of my amazing wife, Haley, the grandparents of our three adorable girls, Eden, Callie, and Emma. Would you please help me give a big New Life Church welcome to Pastors Val and Cherry Treese as they come to bring an inspiring message today. I promised myself today that I would not cry, but I've already, I've already broke that promise, so, but this morning when I was getting up, I began to remember some things, and many years ago, we had just bought a home in Illinois, we had a daughter in college, and a daughter that was a sophomore in high school, and Val got a call to come to Jackson, Tennessee. And we were pastoring at the time. And 
we were very content to where we were. And he, he came to Jackson, and uh, he spent the night, talked with the leadership, and he came back home. And he walked in the door. I said, when are we leaving? Because, you know, there's one thing I know about God. There is nothing more wonderful than being in his perfect will, and there's nothing more miserable than being out of it. And I learned that over the years. But as I sit here and look out over all of you, I see so many stories. I remember so many things that we all walked through and how many things, how many precious, precious memories that we have. And you know, the people in this church were not church members to Val and I. You were our family. You are still our family. And even though we're not here, there will always be a part of our heart that will always be in Jackson, Tennessee. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate all of you coming today. And I thank you so much for all the many years that you gave us. And I love you with all my heart, and God bless you. It's a blessing, and I want to thank Pastor Jeremy. Some of you don't know the present structure here. Of course, Pastor Jeremy is a senior pastor. Uh, and his assistant happens to be one of our kids who came up in the church, Lindsay. That's why you saw her coming up here and going back. I asked her a while ago. I said, she said, didn't you enjoy the worship? I said, what would you have done if we said no? <laughs> you know, you think about those things sometimes. <clears throat> Uh, it was good to see Rodney get rowdy. <laughs> and see Thomas Trump, so it was good to see that. And watch the glory of God. What was really good is to watch Lindsay and Aaron as they helped Jonathan in worship. And then, huh? What did I say? I want you to please forgive me for making that mistake. And I guarantee you that won't happen again. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm going to have some fun. I don't get an opportunity to do it much, so I might as well have some fun. Actually, now that I'm this old, wherever, however old that is, I always have fun. <laughs> I'm too old for you to tell me not to. And Prentice... Yeah, he's still back there. They had a picture of you up there. Did you see that picture and you had all that curly hair in the back? <laughs> you still had the front slippage, but you had a lot of that hair in the back. I told him one time, I said, if you'd wrap a rubber band around that and hook it over your nose, it'd start pulling that back up here. But he never would go for it. So, so he just has to be what he is. But it's so good to see all of you. Marlon, what a blessing, as I've watched on Facebook, Maya and, and Renee just blossom out in such beauty and such glory. Uh, becoming Teacher of the Year at your school in Nashville. What a joy it is to know the fruits of the labor that have gone out and what God is doing. And some that 
you really don't even know about. I talked with George Stutzman yesterday, and George is in Dallas, and he actually lives in an assisted living home, but he's doing really good. He's uh, ministering to people not only in the home where he is staying, but also in the church where he goes. Uh, he told me the other day he finally got to sing his uh, what he called his signature song, which George debuted here to sing for us right after Ray Bolts released it. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that has been changed, as many of you know. Some of you don't. George was a homosexual who was delivered by the mighty hand of God before we ever came here. And God did a tremendous work in George. He started Liberty Outreach. And it has affected people. And when Pastor Jeremy said it, it, it actually affects people around the world, it is true. Through Liberty Outreach and, and Pastor Jeremy with Josh Christmas, his testimony has gone around the world. It has raised hackles on the naysayers and brought victory to the ones who really want it. And we're seeing the glory of God. Well, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes, I didn't give this one to you, so you don't have to put it up. <clears throat> in Ecclesiastes 3, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then the preacher goes on and he lays out all of these different things. A time to live, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to dance, and a time to mourn, a time to weep, a time to cry, all of those different things. And there are times and seasons, and Pastor Jeremy mentioned the season of life that is now New Life Church. So when I thought about that, and I've been kind of working over and over in my heart and mind, which, by the way, the other night didn't get much sleep at all because me and the Lord were talking about our root. The roots of what is now New Life Church is the reason New Life Church still exists. Because out of the 40-some years now that I've been in ministry, I've watched churches come up and I've watched them go down. I've watched them succeed and I've watched them totally be wiped away. And it all had to do with the roots of how it was birthed and how it was born. So when I talk about it and I talk about this house, just as Pastor Jeremy had uh, Brother Charles and Miss Judy stand up as some of the, the, the founders basically of what went on here, and, and then I was reminded, uh, Brother Charles, of Sarah Parker. And those who never had the blessing of meeting Sarah Parker really missed a special lady. But actually, I, was, I actually had a, a vision the other night, Charles, and, and your mom was in it. And I was thinking of how wonderful a lady Miss Lewis was. You, you, you did not, you missed a tremendous opportunity if you never met Charles's mom, Miss Lewis. The, the epitome of a southern lady filled with hospitality and grace. And these were all people who planted the roots of what is now New Life Church. And so when, I, when Sherry mentioned what, what happened when we came here in March of 1990, I, the first thing I did was I wanted to know what the root structure was like, what brought this thing into being, what made it what it is. And first I got some report from some of the, the leadership, including Brother Charles, but then I talked with other people. And learning what had happened, what went on, I, I found that there was a pastor during that time in the beginning whose name was David, B.B. David and Barbara, did a tremendous job here, but he left and went to Rama Bible College and became the director of alumni for the entire ministry of Rama Bible College. And as far as I know, David still may be in that position. I think he retired a year or two ago. Uh, but that's one of the parts of the roots of this house. After David came 
um, Doug and Lois, yeah, Doug and Lois uh, Anderson. And Doug was here as a pastor for probably nine years. <clears throat> Doug led them in a lot of great things and walked through some tremendous situations and brought blessing into this house. He and Lois uh, determined after, uh, after that eight years that it was time for them to go, times and seasons. And so Doug and, and Lois moved away from here with their sons and uh, did other things. I'm not sure what all Doug Doug did after that. Doug, unfortunately, has passed away now, and uh, he's, he's going to be with the Lord some several years ago, but was a, was a tremendous guy and added to the root structure of what is now New Life Church. And then we came along, and, and the first thing we do is, you know, I, those of you who know me, a lot of you don't now, but those of you who do know that one of the first things I did was start cutting out bad roots. Because every time you have a plant, if eventually something's going to get into the root system and try to mess up roots. So we had to cut out some bad roots and then start building fresh and new. Well, the scripture in Romans 11, I, I, I believe the Lord gave this to me because I, I want you to see it. Romans eleven sixteen, And, and uh, the Apostle Paul, well, I guess I ought to get my Bible out here. At least I can get half of it right. What do you think, Lindsay? I can get it okay. Sydney, you're such a beautiful young lady. And the sound of your voice is tremendous. Verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So I want you to get that. If the first fruit is holy, so is the lump. That, in essence, what first comes out is holy. Everything that comes out as far as harvest is going to be holy. And, but the harvest is only holy because the tree is holy and the roots are holy. And we want to look at that. So what is it that, that the root is holy? Well, we know that the root is Jesus. Because Jesus said in, in uh, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, except you abide in me, you abide alone, and, and you don't have anything. But if you abide in me, ask what you will, it shall be done of you, of my Father in heaven. And he gives us that truth that he is the vine and we are the branches. He is the root. In fact, the Bible calls him the root and offspring of Jesse. In the Old Testament, he declares in in fact, he talks about it in Abraham. In Abraham, he said, your seed, in your seed shall all the earth be blessed. And when he talks about Abraham telling him his seed, he's talking about Jesus because he says as seed, not as seeds, meaning many, but seed being one, and he's talking about Jesus. So when Jesus, except a seed, fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, then it shall burst forth and it shall bloom and blossom. And so we're talking about Jesus as the main roots. So these who were the founders of this house started out seeking Jesus. They wanted Jesus. They wanted to know more about Jesus. They were in a period of time when faith was being preached in a greater dimension than it had ever been before. And they were latching on to that. And they said, Lord, we seek you. We want you. All we want is you. We, we don't care. In fact, at that point in time, I don't think they had any anticipation of building churches. They just wanted Jesus to fill their lives and flood their hearts. Is that right, Judy? That was your call. That was your purpose. That was your point. 
And that's what made the roots grow that were so sufficient. Because, you see, Isaiah 61 says, You shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glorified. Everything done about the roots is to glorify God. Now, we're talking right now about the predominant root that makes up the purpose of of New Life Church and all of the things that came up to it. But here's where we are now. And we can dwell on the past. We can look at the past. And listen, I look around at you, and I've got some tremendous memories of the past. I was talking to Diane when we came in, and, and Dan and Diana. And I remember when Dan came into her life, and I really prayed for him. <laughs> and we still pray for him. But I saw the glory that God was doing in a Catholic man who had no idea what this mad woman he had gotten a hold of was all about, and she talked about Jesus because all she did was talk about Jesus and him and his calmness and his, and his quietness. And, and I'm looking at this picture and back then, and I'm saying, you, you ever question God? Yeah, well, but God has proved himself true. So we've got tremendous memories of the glory of God and what God has done. I remember a little girl standing in a line at Operation Hope, looking up at Sherry and smarting her and saying, you're getting paid for this anyway. And Sherry's love turned that child around as well as the love of the others. And she's sitting here today, a beautiful young lady, who lives in Memphis and is successful in life. Why? Because the love of God worked through it, you see, because the roots of this house are absolutely love. Nothing but love, the love of God, the love of the Father toward the children he wants, the love that God wants to burst forth into you. And then, you know, I see Jeremy and Becky, and Jeremy, when I first met him, he had the longest red hair he ain't got it right now. I don't know if you're starting back again or what. No. But, but some people would say, what's that guy? But then, I mean, you know, you got Becky and the reddest hair you've ever seen. They don't make that color. She does. <laughs> but we've seen the love of God as he's worked in their lives and brought healing and restoration in ways that some of you will never know, but tremendous, wonderful things. Because the root of this thing, because God said, I'm going to make you a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that in doing so, I'm the one that's going to get the glory out of all of it. I mean, there's Jeff Davis. It'll freeze in hell before I go in that place. It got real cold one day. Satan was glad somebody finally paid the air conditioner bill. We finally got it cool for a moment. But you have to understand from where he comes from. And, and let me tell you, I come from the same type of place. But the roots of where we come from were also in love. That's where we found the Holy Ghost. That's where we met the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we learned about the faith in Jesus Christ. That's where the name of Jesus was applied to our lives in tremendous blessing. That's where we grew up. That's how we knew it. And we simply attached that good root into the root systems that are now New Life Church. 
But this scripture in Romans that I read to you, this first verse, the reason Paul wrote this, and I want you to get this, because it's pertinent to our time, to right now. Because here, Paul is addressing the church at Rome who has been bad-mouthing the Jews. And I want you to know why. In fact, they were not just bad-mouthing. This is where the, the, the false doctrine of replacement theology first came from. And Paul was trying to head it off all the way back here because what was happening is the political structure of Rome was crying out against Israel. All the news cycles of Rome were how bad the Jews were, how awful these people were, what all they were doing, what all had been done. And they even used the crucifixion of Christ to further their examples as to why the Jews were such horrible people. And they were boasting that now God has come to us and replaced them with us. So they're no longer viable. They're no longer valid. They're no longer important because now it's all about us. And they got locked into the all about us. Anybody know anybody ever get into the it's all about me? Everything's about me. If you don't believe it, ask me. I won't leave me out. I don't care what you do. I'm going to talk about me. I'm not about to leave me out. And that's what they were doing in Rome as it pertained to the Christian community and what was going on in the time. And so because God said, I will take off these branches and cut them off, but I'm going to engraft you in, they began to boast in the fact that now we're grafted in and they're not here anymore. They're not anything. They're nothing Who are those people? They're nothing. I've been standing against a a false doctrine of late about tribalism. Well, we can't get along with them because they're not of our tribe. Let me tell you something. That's That's a doctrine of hell that God never intended to be because if you name the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't have another tribe, but it's called kingdom because we're kingdom people. And the kingdom of God in Jackson, Tennessee is as tremendous as it has ever been. In fact, I think even better. I look, I watched watched now John Stovall at Victory. I'm just thrilled to watch John. He is one of the classiest dressing guys you ever saw in your life. But he's also a good pastor who started as a boy. I remember when Michelle said, pray. What was his relationship? Yeah. And, and she said, we need to pray for him. It's his first time to preach. And I thought, yeah, we definitely need to pray for him. But it went well and it did good. And uh, I think they said five, 5.6 minutes was his first sermon. Somebody had timed it to that degree. They wanted to know. But that church is flourishing under John. Some tremendous things. The branches off of this house are even flourishing. Because I'm in touch with Pastor Bruce all the time and what's going on with Hope and what things are being done there and with Tom and and the amount of food they're being able to distribute and the lives they're being able to touch. I'm in touch with them as far as Operation Hope is concerned. Many of you don't know it, but Operation Hope was birthed in Heather. She came to me one day, said, Dad, Parks and Recreation wants to do something. They want to see if they can use our facility. We went over a long period of time talking about it, what we were going to do, what we expected of them. She and I met with them. I told them some things that we would, you know, we would expect out of them. And we wouldn't allow anything, these particular things, you know, like tarot card reading or dirty dancing or 
you know, like I'm old-fashioned, I guess. I don't know. I just thought it wouldn't be a good place to have it in our church. So, so what happens? The first, the first week, we had one week. They started the first week. They were supposed to have a lot of kids, 50 kids. They had 10, 5 or 10. And the first day, the girl comes in carrying tarot cards. Anybody say prophetic? And so then after that, two days later, one of the women came to me, Pastor, we came in today, and you will not believe what they were doing. And I said, no, I probably won't, but what was it? The boys were down, the girls were down in the floor, and and the boys were over them, and they called it dancing. It didn't look like dancing. I said, well, we got to change this. So God said, here's what I want you to do. And so she and I went to juvenile court where they were leading the the deal. And she had already laid out this great big long list of things and had the whole program all together. And I said, that's wonderful, honey. She had been up all night writing all this stuff. You see, you you never understood what it's like being my daughter. So we pulled up in front of juvenile court. And I said, now, hon, these are all wonderful things. We'll see how it goes. Let's just see. We walk in. Spirit of the Lord gets on me. First thing he does, he gets on me. I don't know why he does that. But I said, here's the fact. Here's what you've done. Here's what we said. Here's what we're going to do. And from this time on, we're going to run this thing the way God tells us to run it. You either want us or you don't. If you do, we're here. If you don't, we're still here. You want to give us the part of the money that's supposed to come for helping us do it? That's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. From that, Operation Hope was birthed. She had the whole program laid out. God had given it to her. It was at, and it's still running today, and that was in 1995. Not only is it running today here, it's also running in Hohenwald, Tennessee, because David Grimes, many of you remember David and Debbie, branches of this house. David said, come to me one day. He said, I need to go to Hohenwald. I said, where? Hole in the wall. I said, what's a hole in the wall? He said, no, not hole in the wall, hole in the wall. I said, well, same thing. Where is it? And so we went with them over there, and they had a handful of people that they were meeting with, and now uh, the dwelling place in Hohenwall is functioning as a house of God in a, in a, in a county that is one of the worst drug counties in all of Tennessee. And they're being forceful and beneficial into that county, and their daughter Tanya is running Operation Hope there. Let me tell you a good report on Tanya. This year, just recently, somebody bought them an ice skating rink. A portable ice skating ring. Who would have thought? In Hohenwald. And told them they don't want it, told who they are. They bought the rink. They bought 100 skates. They bought all of the stuff to make the rink work right. It can be outside. Now they're going to set that, and they want hope to get all the proceeds that come from the ice skating ring. They're going to set it up December 7th. So if you want to go ice skating, you can run to Hohenwald, see Tanya and David and Debbie and all of them, and, and you can go ice skating, but you've got to pay. And we said, well, what's that for? Do you understand how many people they're going to be able to touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ by having an ice skating rink playing gospel music while the people are out there skating in the midst of this thing? For the whole of the winter time, this is going to run, and they're going to have people coming in from all over, not just in Hohenwall, and they're going to see the glory of God do some wonderful things. These are the branches because these branches are holy because the root is holy, and because the root is holy and the branches are holy, 
the fruit is holy. And if the fruit is holy, guess what? The seeds that are in the fruit are holy. So wherever those seeds fall, holiness unto God is being proclaimed and the glory of God is being manifested. And the cycle is continuing to go on and on and on and on and on. Now, we can talk all day about where we were, and some of us will do that for a little while after we dismiss. But Jeremy only gave me 15 minutes, so i got to really hurry to get this all done. He's over here going, no, I didn't. No, that was Jeff. I talked to Jeff at grandparents'. And he told me, his daddy taught him, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, then it, you know, what was it? If anything past 20 minutes is yourself anyway or something like that. And then he turned around and he changed it up to 30 because I told him, well, I, I preach on 40. So he compromised. We had a little, you know, auction going on. And the beauty of the holiness of God. You see, holiness isn't about, well, I dress a certain way, I don't wear this, I, you know, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't run with them that do. That's not holiness. I hope you don't do any of those, but it's still not holiness. Right? Holiness is the essence of who God is on the inside of who you are manifesting self himself in his glory out of you so that people who see you and see us in the community of man realize that by this shall they know that you are my disciples in that you have love one for another. So when they see me and Rodney hug, they don't think we're funny guys. They think there's something wonderful about these guys. They're seeing the glory of God. They're understanding the power of God. They're looking at the manifestation of God. They're realizing the holiness of God that can cause two brothers to be friends to such a point. It doesn't matter. Miles, distance, space, time, immaterial. The moment we talk after 20 years, we're still brothers. And our lives are still connected and nothing disconnects them. Some of you will remember the name Dwight Daniels. Dwight and I are friends. We... I talked to him just the other day. He's out in L.A. He's, he's got this beautiful house with a veranda. You know what a veranda is? We don't know verandas in Tennessee. We know patios and decks. He's got a veranda. A veranda is a fancy patio on the side of a mountain that overlooks where you would have normally put a deck here. It's concrete and it's a veranda. And so in the veranda overlooks Catalina Island. It's a beautiful place. And he attends over at this, this little church uh, pastored by a guy by the name of Rick Warren. Just a little group, you know, well, 25,000, 30,000 people. The seeds of righteousness that were planted there out of here. Isn't it an astounding thing where God moves and shows his hand and the seeds of righteousness? And right now, Pastor Heather, some people are wondering what she doing. Pastor Heather is operating a ministry that is a consulting ministry to churches, 
and, and Christian schools and, and really anywhere else, any organization that has a Christian base that wants to know some things that will help them. Her degree is in marketing and management. She has an understanding about those things. She's now presently working with a church up there. And within two months' time, the atmosphere of that house has changed dramatically because the pastor and his wife were so beat down, her first meeting with them, is their heads were hanging down of the pressure and the weight and the struggle, the very same thing some of you may have seen where this, this precious pastor came home one Sunday and ended his life. And, and people are saying, what, why, how, how does this all happen? The weight of the problem. I have a dear friend who just passed away in Oxford, Mississippi yesterday. I'll be going down there this week to help with the funeral and to help the church and how they're going to settle things and, and establish things. And, but Heather's doing that in consulting these churches, these houses, building and strengthening them. See, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Sometimes we don't like the method because the Scripture says many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the purposes of God that will prevail. And so if we can just get out of ourselves and start looking at God's purpose and stop looking, well, I don't know why they did that. I don't, I don't either. I'm, I'm like this. I quote this guy all the time. There was a famous rat on the movie Muppets Take Manhattan called Rizzo, and Rizzo had the sense enough to say, peoples is peoples. Sometimes the rats have a little more sense than the people, Tony. That's why you're writing these books you're writing now, the, Show the superheroes and what they can actually do in Christ. See the goodness of God. There's another seed of righteousness that's touching a whole different genre that we would not have any idea that is going on. But God places them there. Tawana is the same way where God puts her in the influence that he has given her. Seeds of righteousness, seeds of holiness, seeds of life. Maya sows seeds of righteousness and glory every time she goes out of her house on a daily basis. Why? Because the love of God that came from the roots, that came through this house, that came all the way back at Judy and, and Charles and the others, started this ministry, started looking at what we want, started seeing what God could do. Listen, you owe a great debt of gratitude to these two that are still here. The others aren't here because they're with the Lord. They held firm. They held strong. They went through struggle. They went through trial. They went through ridicule. They went through all kinds of things. And yet, because of the perseverance, God brought us through. Gene was talking to me when he came in just now. He had just watched yesterday or whenever the video of when God put him and his sister he had never met together at the altar in front of the people on a Sunday morning. Suddenly he knew he had a sister he'd never met. She knew she had a brother she'd never seen. She had no idea, no clue who he was, and God brought it all together and look at who we have, and they meet. Yeah. And of all things, crazy Tammy brought him. And out of the three guys that she ever brought to church, he stuck. Now they're grandparents. Isn't that awesome? You know it's true. I tell you it's true. I say, well, at least you get them saved when you bring them. That's all I can say. (laughs) 
it was the truth. And seeing the glory of God. She was telling me that her son Canaan and his wife, they have a brand new baby as of July. Daughter Canaan. Son Dylan, daughter Canaan. All right, it's working out anyway. Hey, this is my story. You all do. Anyway, I have a grandbaby, and they're attending Lighthouse, which is an absolutely wonderful thing. Wonderful thing for the glory of God. We have Dallas with his brand-new wife. I'm sorry I didn't make it to the wedding, but I've been following you on Facebook. Your mother-in-law will put your picture on ad nauseum for the rest of your life. When you have children, which we hope is, you know, pr- pretty quick. Don't wait a long time. My granddaughter waited. She's now five years. We keep telling her it's time. And then we'll see grandbabies. Can you imagine Michelle and Grandma? Amen. <laughs> We're talking about the love of God, the goodness of God, the branches that God has grafted into this tree that are still flourishing today because of the goodness of God. And not one of us, as those branches, have gone through everything wonderful, everything smooth, everything super, everything just right, everything going all the right way. In fact, if anything, it would be quite the opposite. Just as I said, we lost our our son-in-law David, as Jeremy said. We lost David this year. We almost lost Jeremy over here, Jeremy Young. The enemy had an assignment to take him out, and thank God, God intervened, and we didn't. But over the course of time, we've lost many. We lost them. Heaven didn't. They're all gloriously made new and whole in heaven, and we're going to have a reunion day. That's a wonderful thing. But boy, the pain that we went through in the processes, the pain that we went through together in the losses, holding one another up, encouraging one another, saying it's going to make it all right. We're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. God's going to move. God's going to bless. God's going to keep. I never will forget the day uh, Marlon and And Maya and Renee went through such a horrible day. Who would have ever thought that anything like that would have happened? And we watched as God. Because of the love of the house that came from the root of righteousness and holiness, worked right on through to hold them in our arms, to hold them in our hearts, all these years now still walking and seeing the glory of God and celebrating the life that God has given them. Then God brought Lenise Roseman. Some of you remember Lenise. Lenise is now Dr. Lenise Roseman. She has a doctorate degree in, in uh, something. Anyway, but she's now up in Ohio, and she's ministering in conferences and leadership places and training people. She's a life coach. Uh, She's a doctorate in uh, um, athletic administration, I think is what it's called. And she does tremendous work, and it's part of the love that God came through this tree into this branch that's now affecting people in various areas because, you see, we were grafted in to a place many thought we wouldn't even belong. And much less be received and accepted. 
Because some of you had actually gone other places and were not accepted and looked upon and scorned. And people would teach you and look at you and think, you're who? You're what? Can't be. Where's Thomas, Vargo? There you are. I mean, just look at him. See? He's the nut that grabbed Maya's flag and went running. He was nowhere near as pretty. Nor graceful. But God brought him to Jackson, full of the Holy Spirit, in a miraculous way. You ought to hear his story sometime. In an absolute miraculous way. And of all things, meets a girl from Illinois in Jackson. And now look, the fruit of their labor, their lives, their righteousness, God's holiness. And see, Thomas brought with him roots from his parents that are phenomenal. If you don't know mom and dad Vargas, you missed it. But he brought with him and was able to come in here and add to our root structure the power of God that he learned as a little boy growing up. His mama told me he carried him, she carried him in the womb, walking up the Himalayan mountains into a village in Nepal, and then has him as your brother. He's like his brother. You're not the oldest. Your second brother. How many? Oh, dad was carrying you. Well, anyway, they had faith. It's like a Bethlehem story. And they touched people in ways you cannot imagine. The prime minister in Nepal came up in their school. It's tremendous what the glory of God will do. I remember when mom and dad said, they're kicking you out of school. You can't learn. Can you believe it? I couldn't. I told them, well, we're not taking that nonsense. And those kind of things were going on. Those people were being hurt. And now this young man is touching lives in a miraculous manner all the time. And we watch God's glory. We watch God's victory. We watch God's power. But it's the same thing that put on this girl an attitude of saying, we've got to have a school, and that school has to be filled with God, and that school has to teach academically the things that will make a difference in the people so that the people of God can actually live and function and do and, and prosper and do great and wonderful things. And so, what, 15 years now? 15 years later, Family Christian School still functions in this building because the plans and purposes of God are beyond our understanding, and now they have a whole school building, and they're not having to fight the fire marshal's office to have it, and we've got the glory of God touching lives because her vision came forth, and she and Heather got together and wrote up everything it's going to be, and you know what? They weren't the first ones to think about this because Dan was sitting in my house one day on Campbell Street, and he had all these boxes, and, and uh, was David Johnson... Y'all were working on the curriculum. My phone rings. Brother Wood says, hey. And he starts telling me a story about how God told him he wasn't a principal and he wasn't a TV evangelist and he didn't call him to that. And he said, do you understand what I'm saying? I said, yeah, I got it. He said, okay, bye. And he hangs up. And I look over at Dan and David and I said, you might as well put the books up. Because the time for the season had not come yet. And what we would have done 
would have thwarted the perfect will of God that would have brought what we have now called Family Christian School, which is a branch out of the root of holiness that God brought and called later called Family Worship, now calls New Life Church, and because the root that he put into our hearts because of people like Charles and Judy and Miss Sarah and Miss Betty and all the others, they brought forth, and now we have roots of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. So what's ahead? There'll be others, I think, come through this month who will point to some things that are ahead. But what's ahead is greatly determined by where you are. Now, I know many of you now are in various places throughout the city, throughout the region. And God is using you, and that's a tremendous, wonderful thing. I mean, it really is. But I've got to speak to here. With our highs and our lows, with our bumps in the road, with our smooth places, with all of the things we lived and everything we've seen, God has always been faithful. If our roots have been plugged in, then the roots that we have lived while we were attached here are just as holy, just as righteous, just as wonderful. And they never stop. So when God takes us other places, we still have roots that are locked in because that scripture I read you, but actually Thomas found it for me. I, I went mind numb. You, you may not realize it, but the thinner your hair gets, so goes the memories. And I told him, I just, I had this brain block and it wouldn't come. I didn't. And he said, oh, well, I think it's this. And it wasn't. So he went to another place and, oh, it's here. So he found it for me. Isaiah 61. You shall be called trees of righteousness. You would think Jonathan Hill had read the notes from the Lord because I didn't have these things either with the songs that they sang. Because prior to that part about the tree of righteousness, he says, I'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. Then he goes on to say that you might be called trees of righteousness. So our roots are stuck. Our roots are connected. I mean, he, he, he connected Johnny White. I never knew why. I asked him why. He wouldn't tell me. He just said, take it. And I said, okay. But God's done some great things and wonderful things. And we've watched. And now that we're in other places, we still have our roots that are connected with what God did in the beginning, all the way back with Charles and Judy, with what he's done through David Beebe and his wife, what he did from Pastor Doug, and what he did from Tom Young. I, I forgot Tom. After Doug and Lois determined they were needing to leave, here comes Tom Young. I don't know how you all managed to do that. If you stumbled into it or whatever happened. I wonder sometimes. But God worked to work. And so Tom taught the church, which was then Christ Chapel. He led them into some ways of understanding, some ways of believing, some ways of seeing what God was going to do. Because of anything, Tom was a man of faith. Anything you talk to Tom Young about, it was faith, faith. God's going to do it. God's got it. God's got this. God's got that. God. And he lived by faith. He and his wife, Donna, lived by faith. And so that's how we showed up. And our roots all connected. And God's still building. And he's still building here. Now he's building under the name New Life Church. God has a plan, a purpose 
And it is still going on. And it will continue to increase until the day of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, wherever the Lord has taken you, or wherever your stubbornness took you, the neat thing about stubbornness taking you, grace heals you. Okay? So wherever it has, whatever has happened, whatever's gone on, whatever other situation, God's grace is sufficient and he's bringing us to this point and we are growing around the country. The influence, the power, the victory. You see, what we had here this morning in the worship didn't come because special people showed up. It's always here. I remember the last time I was here and Thomas was leading worship and we sang some of the old songs I hadn't heard in years. And I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord was so thick and wonderful. It was tremendous. But then I talked to the others and it's happening everywhere else too. Because you see, in this day and hour that we're in, and I I told you that about the the church at Rome, and and Paul was relating to them, look, you've got to stop this anti-Semitism. You've got to stop this boasting against the branches. You've got to stop getting on the political scene. You've got to get out of the political scene. Politics will destroy the church if the church doesn't wake up. The influence of politics is the stand of the church in America today being what we're supposed to be and resisting. The Bible, in fact, calls us that which we'll let. If we're taken out of the way, evil runs in so so fast in such a flood, you will not recognize anything not only about what America is, but you will not recognize the world, and it will only take less than a year to do it. They say, but you said get out of politics. Get out of the discussions. Get out of the rhetoric. Get out of the nonsense. Quit choosing sides. A fellow I know over in Mobile, Alabama, some of you may know him from back at the Brownsville Revival named John Kilpatrick. John preached just a few weeks ago. And he made a statement, and I'm going to quote it from him because I believe it's true. He said, I don't believe Donald Trump to be a man of God. But I do believe he is God's man. As surely as God chose Cyrus out of the Babylonian and the Persians to bring up a new order of life that was going to change the face of the countries and put Israel back in the place they were supposed to be and bring them to the place of restoration of power. We have a situation right now where that's what's happening. I don't care who you like, why you like, why you don't like. The reality is as God's hand is moving, don't go against the hand of God. We're going to see God's glory in America if the church will be the church and stop being the political structure that we think we are to be. Church was never called to be a political structure. We were never called to be philosophers. We were called to be truth bearers, truth tellers, truth showers, truth manifestors, truth and life and giving it out to a world that is around us because our roots are holy. Therefore, what comes out of our mouths has to be holy and we have to line our hearts up to holiness unto God and watch what God does in the process. Because this country has one more opportunity. And if we blow it this November, you will see it change within six months to be what you never thought you would see before. Pray. Seek the Lord. Set your hearts right. We're in a time. 
this country will come to a time very quickly of rapid and radical transition down the, down the path of destruction or continuing on a path to bring us back to righteousness. Out of all the presidents that I've ever sat under, there's never been one who stood for the rights of the church like this one. I'm, I'm not going to talk about all the other not. He's got some ignorant junk. But I happen to know a person personally who speaks to the pastor who led him to the Lord. Now, understanding he's got to have some real discipleship. Oh, Jesus, help. Anyway, but they led him to the Lord because she, his wife, is saved, loves the Lord with all her heart, and kept working on him until he finally agreed to bring this pastor to the to Trump Tower two years ago. And that's when God began to work. But see, it, he worked long before that. If you know anything about Kim Clement, Kim uh, prophesied that there would be a president come up named Trump, and, and this was in 2015. And as far as I know, Donald never heard it. So we're working in that area. But he's, he, he, he moved Israel, Jerusalem being made the capital by moving our embassy there is a prophetic truth that had to happen that leads toward the end of time, and it brings us to that point. And that one action alone, in the timing in which it happened, because this is the year of Jubilee, this is the year of, of power, and to have it all happen in this one time. Everything that's happening that you're seeing, even that you're mad about, is in fact prophetic because it comes from a root of holiness that started in this nation when it first became a nation. And we got junk like nobody's business, and we always have. But God's working. God's working at New Life Church. God intends to bring you to another level. God intends each of you to grow. In fact, Isaiah prophesied when he talked about Jesus coming of his government and peace and the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end from this time forward. And God said, I'll perform it. So the government of the kingdom and the peace from the kingdom will increase as you and I stand up, acknowledge our roots and where they are in one another and grasp what God wants to do and begin to move in it to see his glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I love you. I thank God for the opportunity just to see you and talk with you. Just to be with you. And I bless you. Father, I speak blessing. Great blessing upon this house. Blessed, Lord, are they in the city, even out here in this field, to become a light of your glory. Blessed, Lord. They're blessed in abundance. They're made the head. They're given strength, Lord God, to carry through every assignment, every plan, every purpose to see your glory as this house flourishes because, Lord, it stays and remains connected to the root of holiness 
that you birthed here so many, so 40 years ago. And I thank you, Lord, and I stand like Caleb after 40 years of ministry. And I declare, God, give me my mountain. I'm ready now more than ever before to take my mountain and continue to move in your power and in your plan. In Jesus' name.